and I left you speechless. Oh, awesome. you faded out, so I was making sure. Oh. You know. <laughs> I think I was done. We should make Did Jonathan fix this one too. <laughs> you probably won't fix it. Oh. <laughs> so let your colors run tonight. We're painting in the dark. Let your colors run tonight. The colors of your heart. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to the Catchy Lefty Podcast. My name is Patrick Engel, and I'm joined by Chris Patton, and we are talking about the seventh Sunday of Easter. Uh, it is the Sunday ration and right before Pentecost. And today, our lectionary texts are Revelation 22, 12 through 14, 16 through 17, and 20 through 21. And John 17, 20 verses 20 through 26. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. How are you, Patrick? I am doing pretty well. I am I'm spent. I'll just tell you that. I am a spent person right now. But that's okay. One of, one of those weeks. It is one of those weeks. It has been a busy, full week. Um, so we are on the last Sunday of Easter. Uh, Chris and I, before we started this podcast, we were talking and ch- and we were saying these verses, these these passages are kind of hard because um, typically when you're on a seven week series and you get to the seventh week, you feel like you've said everything that you can possibly say, and so it's kind of um, a summary, if you will of what the whole series has been. And so if you're preaching these passages, you might almost feel like a broken record. Um, But that's okay. I think there's some um, things that we can pull out that we can flesh out a little bit more in these passages. For instance, the lectionary passage for Revelation uh, skipped over Um, all of the negative verses in Revelation. And if you are preaching Revelation uh, along with us, I would actually recommend that you just read those verses, that you read verse 15 and verse 18 and 19. Um, Because I think that those have some theological implications for the entire book and theme of Revelation. To leave out, it would just kind of candy coat the message of John of Patmos. So for us, when we get into these verses, we are going to just read um, verses 12 all the way through 21 without omitting um, the verses that the lectionary omitted. And then when you get into John 17, um, for many preachers, you probably already know that this is the prayer of Jesus, um, and he's praying for his disciples, and he's praying that those who follow him will be one. And that those who come after will believe and will be um, awarded for their belief. So we're going to jump into it. I'm going to read Revelation uh, 22. And Chris will read John 17. And we'll bust a few rhymes afterwards over those passages. Probably not bust a few rhymes. But we will throw down some thoughts that hopefully will help you in crafting your sermon. Sound good, Chris? 
Sounds good to me. Let's do it. Let's do this thing. So Revelation chapter 22 verses 12 through 21. Look, I'm coming soon and my reward is with me to repay all. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Favored are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right of access to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs, the drug users and spellcasters, those who commit sexual immorality, the murderers, the idolaters, and all who love and practice deception. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to bear witness to all of you about these things for the churches. I am the root and descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes receive life-giving water as a gift. Now I bear witness to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy contained in this scroll. If anyone adds to them, God will add to that person the plagues that are written in the scroll. If anyone takes away from the words of the scroll of prophecy, God will take away that person's share in the tree of life and the holy city, which are described in this scroll. The thing says, yes, I'm coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. And then John chapter 17 says, I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may complete become completely one so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory, which you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I have made your name known to them, and I will make it known, so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. There you go. So, for me, when it comes to Revelation, because my church is focusing um, a lot more on Revelation than we are on the Gospel of John, um, of John have kind of been supplementary to the whole revelation scene that has been unfolding for us. And so when we get to um, this passage in Revelation 22, we, I mean, we've already read about the lion who is actually the lamb. We've read about uh, the communion of saints. We've read about um, the new heavens and the new earth in Jerusalem coming down. And now we get to this almost final scene, this conclusion, where it's no longer John as the spectator, but it's Jesus as the Messiah speaking. And I think there are four main points that kind of jump out to me in this this passage. Is that first and foremost, 
there's this theological idea of of Jesus of Nazareth also being um, the Christ, the Son of God, and this Alpha and Omega tension found in this passage of this dual nature of Jesus of being both um, God and human. And I think you can find that in this in this passage. And then also um, there's this tension of the already but not yet. So we're in Revelation 22. Everything has already happened. The fulfillment has come. But, but three times we hear people yearning and calling for the divine, the holy one to come. Um, and then the third aspect uh, that we can pull out of here is... Um, is that there is this, uh, there's this choice and this response that we have cre- that we as creation have to make. Um, are we a way of life that is characterized by the Lamb, or are we going to continue to live within um, the confines of the empire? Um, but that those are mainly my thoughts on this passage. And I'm probably not honestly going to spend that much time talking about the dual nature of Jesus as much as I'm just going to talk about um, the tension of of this passage of it already fulfilling, but our still anticipation for the final fulfillment and for Jesus to come in his fullness. And then also the invitation that this passage has for its hearers and its readers to either choose the way of the Lamb or to choose the way of the empire. Um, that's where I'm mainly going to be focusing my sermon, crafting my sermon and preaching this text. I mean, we've been focusing more on Revelation, but bringing in John uh, as is appropriate. And I feel like both of these texts, especially at the end of this particular series, but I think where these texts are also in the books in which they're written, John and Revelation. I think at the end of this whole thing, there is this encouragement in both these texts that that Jesus really is who he says he is. Um, And I think we often say that in our culture or in the church in a a very argumentative kind of way. Uh, But I've been reading these texts like, for the last couple of weeks, just sort of, again, like you said, it's the last sermon in the series and you feel like that there's no bullets left in the clip as far as the series goes. But Mm -hmm. I've been, I've been thinking, you know, when I talk to my daughters, when they aren't sure that they can accomplish something, they're not sure they can do it like sports or uh, my oldest is learning to play the piano And there are just these moments when you say, you can do this. I will help you. I I know how to help you. And we're going to get through this together. And it's not an argument as much as it is this encouragement that the, the journey you're about to embark on, there really is, I'm here with you. And I, I guess I read both of these texts in that context. Does that, does that make sense? 
Yeah, I mean, like, so this is almost the precursor to the paraclete, to the comforter coming, right? Yeah, yeah, and just this, just this, uh, I, I don't know, I, I feel like sometimes we read these texts triumph in a triumphal kinds of ways to say, see, I prove my point, and I, maybe it's just my place in life right now, but I'm reading them in very, uh, parental kinds of ways yeah well and i think that's why like that's another reason why i feel like we need to include the negative verses in revelation because if we don't include those it really is it's easier to read them in a triumphal way um i right. think that and to count ourselves among those whose robes have been washed white in blood yeah um when really like the majority of our congregations have not been through the level of persecution that, I mean, the churches that were hearing this letter for the first time were going through. And so I think for us to even associate ourselves with them is a little egotistical, but like bad triumphalism. Um, I mean, it's a level of, it's a failure to recognize that, no, we seriously need to, live in the tension of what it means to be defined by the lamb. Um, because a lot of our choices that we make, I mean, the majority of the choices that we make in America, at least um, every day are causing us to choose whether we're living by the empire or, where, or whether we're, um, I mean, and that's, and I shared early on in this, in this series about the tensions that I have faced in my own personal calling and my own personal life and how I'm trying to figure that out and navigate that. But I think if anything, this final sermon should highlight that again, that we don't have, we shouldn't read this in a triumphal manner. Um, we should read this in more of a humble, convictional way and as almost a mirror um, to look at and to say, are we, are we reflecting these ideas in our own lives? And even, I mean, in last week, we talked about the whole idea, how revelation leads us to understand that, that we are not the subjects and God is the object, but it's the other way around that God is the subject and we're the objects. And that, I think that flows into your thought of, of the parent saying, no, you can do this. I am with you. I will walk with you through this. Yeah. I wonder, and um, I haven't gotten that far into the sermon. I wonder if some of this is going to be, you know, we're seven weeks out from Easter now. Mm -hmm. And even though I know that for myself, we, we iterate every Sunday that we're in this season of Easter. It's almost like these texts come full circle back to Easter Sunday and, and this reminder, you know, not that we try to replicate Easter Sunday as a day, but it's like, let's rewind back to that day. And that reminder that this is the one who's conquered sin and death. And, and all of the stuff we talked about the last six weeks, we don't do that in our own strength. We don't do that because we're trying to accomplish anything. Uh, we live into this because this is the one that we believe is the alpha and the omega. Um, which 
I know we've said that through the weeks, but I think that even in the book of Revelation, that gets lost, right? So it says it at the beginning, but it comes back at the end and and reiterates that. Because you can, if you read the book of Revelation without the two ends, the I am the Alpha Omega, you can kind of get, you can kind of lose that in all of the imagery and what's going on and who we're called to be and the right. struggles that are going on. So I, I don't know, maybe... Well, Maybe the reiteration isn't so bad in a sermon, although I know that culturally we're not supposed to repeat things. <laughs> well, it's almost like, so the first mention of the Alpha and Omega, it's really subtle. So there's the song sung to the one seated on the throne, the Alpha and the Omega, right at the beginning of Revelation. And then now we're at the end of Revelation and it's Jesus just straight up telling you, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Yeah. Right. Like, like it's this, it's almost like this, it begins with this subtle hint of, of John trying to say, Hey, we already know how this story is going to end because we know who, who is the beginning and the end. And then the end comes and Jesus is saying, Hey, remember that you sang at the beginning? Guess what? I am. I am that. I don't, to me, I think it's really kind of a artsy understanding, an epiphany of like explaining an epiphany or showing an epiphany or leading the reader to what we should already know, but giving us the conclusion if we missed it. Yeah. And that's the, that's the, I mean, and that's the whole thing that, and that plays into every aspect of our life, right? Like it plays into our politics. It plays into um, where we put our trust. It plays into our future. It plays into our securities and it speaks into our fears. Um, Like how you were saying before our podcast started that in your uh, chaplaincy, you had to study world religions and like how the religions prepare people for death and American Christianity is horrible at preparing people for death. Right. Yep. That's exactly but, right. But this past should not make us afraid of death because we, we know who holds death and who has overcome death. And, and if anything, this should encourage us to face our fear of death and of the unknown if our faith is founded in everything that we've been talking about for the past seven weeks. Yeah. And so well, it should I, challenge it. And I think that this, again the text as an end to the book of revelation and to the series. It's just even, even the parts that the lectionary leaves out the negative texts, there, there's something wonderfully hopeful about it that, that at the, that at the end of all of this, God in Christ will make all things new and right. And, and in some ways that, that, puts that role out of our hands. I mean, we participate in it, right? But at the end of the day, we don't make things new and right. It's, it's God who is doing that in Jesus. Right. But and I again, say, Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so I think the verses that, that can be seen as negative are so important because there is this reminder that God is dealing with that stuff too in ways that uh, 
are the ways that God will finally deal with evil. Right. And I mean, and we do still play a role in it. Like our participation still matters. Sure. And even with those negative, with those negative verses, like, and I think that's, it's that, it's that weird, I don't know, that weird way of living that most evangelical Christians that we fail that because we're either way too lenient and liberal on our actions or way too strict and fundamental on our actions. Right. Yeah. And like we have a lot of us having like participate in the kingdom and such situation has taken place and where the Holy spirit is actually working through us without like, I don't know, without missing it or without trying to control it. And it's a really hard I think it's that's I think if anything that's truly the hardest part about our faith is to recognize that we have a role but to not downplay that role or or not to over So two things I was thinking of or that what you said brought to my mind one is and I know this has been said a bunch of different ways but a guy named Daryl Gooder who was writing and I think it was one of the early attempts at uh, dealing with the theology of what it means to be missional, which I, I know that's a, a catchphrase or, or whatever. But one of the things he said in his book that I, that really struck me is he said, we don't bring the kingdom. The kingdom is coming and we're called to participate in it, which is we 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 stink at using that language we always end up using language where we're the ones who are bringing we're fixing we're causing and to be reminded right. that, that we're like you said we're participants <clears throat> so then the other book i've been reading lately is called the end of leadership and uh this lady i think she's from harvard she just deconstructs the entire leadership uh uh, economy. So all of the books and conferences and classes. And one of the awesome things that she says in the book, and I can't quote it, but uh, basically she says, everything's about leadership now. And the problem with that, with everything being about leadership is it's as if following is a failure, but if everyone's a leader, there are no followers. And who are you going to lead? And I wonder if that creeps into our Christianity. We're not immune from all that leadership stuff. And right. that at the end of the day, we we think that we have to be the leaders. And we forget that we're called to follow the one who is bringing the kingdom. Ooh. So you're just, you're speaking to pastors right now. That was a oh. message to pastors. No, that, that's a, I think that's a message to pastors, but so um, tonight uh, and every Thursday night, nine months a year, I play basketball in my gym with a bunch of uh, mostly men, young men. They don't attend our church. They don't attend church anywhere. Uh, they're about as culturally different from me and the other guy. Chris, we're both Chris's. They're about as culturally different from us as you can and, get. 
And for our listeners who don't know, Chris is a six a six foot five African American. Just to point that out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, <laughs> neither. No, what, what's your, what's your actual height? Just out of curiosity, you like five I'm, nine? I'm like, well, I'm like five seven in dress heels. Ooh. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> From Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, but but so the and and this is where so on that night I mean I'm the pastor but I'm not a pastor I'm just I'm a guy who makes sure that everything goes well <clears throat> and what I think is hard for Christians is and I struggle with this I'll be honest uh, we've been doing this for seven years none of those people and we have we have about a hundred between a hundred and hundred and twenty different people come through there over nine months none of them attend our church uh i honestly don't have any uh sense that any of them ever will attend our church um they play basketball i see them for two hours and that's it and I'm not leading anything. I'm not accomplishing anything when you talk about what it means to accomplish things and be a leader. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and I think we struggle in the church because we want to, we want to quantify and qualify because I think that feeds our leading and enact, not enacting, but like bringing mentality. Like we fix this person, we fix the situation, we change this life and and maybe what God is calling us to do is enact the kingdom wherever it is and 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 God is bringing the kingdom and we're not leading we're just following and we don't see anything when it comes to uh being able to quantify or qualify and I think that's more than pastors I think that's all of us Christians where we go I'll do this if I can see on the back end that something's been accomplished. But that's leadership, right? Right. That's not following. No. Yeah. But when it's that's incredibly scary. Yeah, it is. It it yeah. is incredibly scary. But I think like I read these texts and I read these texts on this particular night where I've just come from basketball and you know, that particular role that I get to have, I do what I do because of these texts, not because they're going to come to my church someday because they're not, or even that I'm ever going to get to find out that they became Christian because I'm probably not. Right but I'm trying to follow this one who says that he's the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. Yeah. Oh, that's good stuff. But you're right. But it's incredibly difficult, right? Right. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, it's okay. I think I'm getting feedback. So it's a good time to call it quits. All right. How about how about you um how about you end us? I'm putting you on the spot. 
<laughs> so we'll have one more podcast for Pentecost. Is that correct? Yes. All right. So we'll have one more podcast for this season, and then we will break um, during common or ordinary time. Um, and then Ketchy Lecti kicks back up before Advent as we start preparing that. Thanks for joining us. Um, I hope that some of these conversations or this conversation that you and pa- that Patrick and I had uh, maybe stir some thoughts. And uh, as you think through these texts, hopefully this helps you marinate and uh, work through your own thoughts for your people and your place and your context. Um, if you want to ever get in touch with me, you can hit me up on Facebook. Uh, I'm also on Twitter at CRPOK. Um, it's a long story why that's my handle, but that's it. Uh, my church website is cfcn.org. Um, Patrick, what's your social media connections these days? Patrick Glenn Ingle on Facebook, Patrick Glenn on Twitter. Uh, and you can find me at my church's website, which is faithcommunitynaz.church. All right. Cool. Have fun preaching these passages and uh, grace and peace. Peace.